Hey everybody, it's Dave Schmidow back with another edition of the Lasting Learning Podcast, where we discuss ways to make education endure and learning that can really last a lifetime. This week we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, because it's a topic that really centers and uh, focuses itself in on what I do on a day-to-day basis. See, in my, uh, my current role, I have a, a pretty fancy title. I am known as the Executive Director for Curriculum and Instruction. I know it's a big title. It's a pretty big placard with, with my name on it. It says Dave Schmidow, Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction. But you know what's interesting is that uh, when I tell people what my title is, oftentimes people look at me and ask a follow-up and say, well, well, so what exactly do you do? <laughs> I think that's an amazing question because it's one that I, uh, I honestly wrestle with from time to time as well. My job has multiple components. One is I I have the luxury and opportunity to to work with school principals and uh, develop leadership capacity and really help stand beside them and support them in their daily endeavors. I also get to help classroom teachers as they they grow and sharpen their saw. I get to to supervise the instruction, the pedagogy that's um, being put forth in front of our kids on a day-to-day basis. And I also get to support them in curriculum development. And that's the the component that I really want to talk about today. What is curriculum? Well, just to summarize, curriculum is what is taught in schools. It's the what, not the why, not the how, it's it's the what. It's the the stuff that teachers are are asked to to present and share and inspire um, their kids to learn. Now, it's interesting. Recently, I was giving a presentation to... uh, uh, an auditorium full of teachers, and I asked the question, where do we determine what you teach? How do you decide what's important? And there was a variety of answers. I had some people that said the textbook. Some people said me, my office, the director of curriculum gets to decide. Uh, some people said the standards from the state. Some people have said the feds. You get a wide variety of answers. But you know, the reality is, in in most classrooms, it's really a combination of all of those things. Oftentimes in in classrooms, uh, we have the standards that come from the state or the municipality that that you live and you work that decide some of the big themes and concepts and content that needs to be taught. You have textbooks that are purchased that are supposed to to drive that instruction. But then we have teacher bias that oftentimes um, really narrows that focus. So for example, I was a former social studies teacher, and uh, I would spend weeks and weeks and weeks discussing the Constitution. I loved presenting about the Constitution and engaging my students in debates and discussions and lots of dialogue about justice and the American way, democratic values, whereas my counterparts who were were given the same textbook and we had the same standards um, would spend weeks and weeks and weeks teaching about the Civil War. Civil War is interesting to me, but it wasn't something that I found as uh, as much passion about. So what we presented to our students was different. And by the time each student in each of our classes, it was an eighth grade social studies class, finished with our courses, 
they would leave with different experiences, not just different teacher philosophies and different instructional um, paradigms and pedagogies presented to them, but actually different content. So it's important that we recognize that one of our primary responsibilities as educators is to truly align what we teach so that our students leave us with experiences, expectations that are aligned so we can exponentially grow their foundations and, and grow their knowledge base. So how do we decide who's right? How do we decide whether or not students should be exposed to weeks and weeks and weeks in the Constitution versus weeks and weeks and weeks of the Civil War? Or in language arts, when can we stop teaching nouns and pronouns and adjectives and adverbs? When can we stop teaching kids to cross their T's and dot their I's? When in science class are we supposed to be teaching about the periodic table? In math, when do we stop um, teaching about multiplication of fractions? When are those concepts supposed to be taught? How do we make those decisions? Well, it's actually a pretty simple concept. You see, in each state we do have standards, lots of direction from um, our state boards of education that have decided the what our students need to, to, to know. And they call them standards, meaning it should be normalized for everybody. A standard is only standard if it's standard. But there's a problem with simply using the standards as our guide. So the state that I live in right now, that I work in right now, the state of Michigan, um, has based their standards off of the Common Core, which the vast majority of states have. And that's not necessarily the issue. The issue is the sheer number of standards that our students are expected to learn. For example, if you are a fifth grade teacher teaching math, science, social studies, language arts to your students, in fifth grade, there are more than 300 standards for your students. 300 standards. Now, a standard, like I said, a standard is only standard if it's standard. A standard doesn't just identify the content that needs to be taught, but it also identifies to what depth that um, student understanding is supposed to be met at. It, it might say that a student is going to have to analyze or synthesize or create or evaluate or just simply understand some information. And it's up to us as educators to make sure that our students are able to get to that level of, of understanding and complexity in their thought process. Not just be exposed to it, but truly to master it. Because again, a standard is only standard if it's standard. Now, as a classroom teacher, you might understand that there are only 180 days in a school year. To get students to become masters of 400 different things in 180 days is an impossible task. It's sheerly impossible. There is no way that we can make sure that kids learn that much information in that amount of time. So as educators, we do have to make some instructional decisions. We do have to entertain some bias. We do have to decide what is important? We can't just start pulling things out of thin air and using our own our own passions and interests to teach what we think is important. But we do need to make some decisions based off of evidence as to what is going to be the most essential for our kids. And some of us have heard the concept of power standards or essential learnings, um, target skills. They all mean the same thing. It's our way of saying which skills, which standards are the most essential, which ones are going to really propel our students forward in the future versus which standards should we just be exposing our students to? Because the truth of the matter is, not all standards are created equal. It is up to us as educators to make some very strategic decisions about what skills, what content our kids need to know, which ones are nice for them to know. And there are a few mechanisms that I'm gonna um, challenge you with to help you make your decisions. 
The first one is looking at the standards and determining which standards have the most endurance to them. Which standards do you think really stand the test of time? Which standards do you think will help students in future years? Maybe you're a third grade teacher and there's a standard that you think will really help a student down the road in the real world when they're balancing a checkbook or when they're paying their, uh, their, their bill at a restaurant and they need to leave a tip. Maybe there's a standard that you know will help a student in ninth grade math. Maybe it's a, a pre-algebra class. Be more successful as a junior when they're taking algebra two. Those are standards that have endurance and are probably standards that are pretty important. Not all standards are like that though. Some standards are simply an ending point, a, a, a bit of content that will be interesting for a student but might not carry endurance towards the future. The other components that I'd like to discuss is leverage. Leverage means it gives you a fulcrum of opportunities to, to learn other material. Maybe you're learning some content in your science class that um, will also help um, present or help you gain more understanding to, to some information that is presented in, in another subject area. Maybe you're learning something in social studies that's relevant in a language arts class. Maybe you're learning something in um, PE where you're learning about angles and velocity that will help in another subject area. Maybe, maybe you're learning something um, in... Um, music class that's going to help um, understand math or reading or something along those lines. Those are standards that have leverage. Lastly, if we look at the depth of the standard, we've all seen Bloom's Taxonomy, Webb's Depth of Knowledge. Those standards that carry with them greater depth, that are higher up on those hierarchies, tend to, to have greater leverage and greater endurance. And they just require more cognitive complexity, more or cognitive energy, and as a result, are probably more essential for students to learn. What I've asked my teachers to do, oftentimes in districts and buildings that I've had the opportunity to lead, is to go through their standards, to look at their standards, and to rate them on those three things. A standard gets a point if it is a standard that teachers believe carries with it endurance. A standard gets a point if it's a standard that teachers believe carries with it leverage. And then teachers are able to give a point um, based off of where a standard falls on Bloom's taxonomy. If it's a knowledge or an understanding um, standard, it might get one point. If it's an application or analysis standard, it might get two points. If it's a synthesis and um, uh, evaluation standard, it might get three. If it's a creation or reflection standard, it might get four points. Long story short is once you have your entire list of all your standards ranked and totaled, you're then able to pick the 10 to 12 standards that carry with it the, the most value, that have earned the most points. And I think it's important for teachers to go through and truly do an activity like that where they feel like they have some ownership in deciding which standards carry the most weight. Yeah, I, you know, I could share with you the standards that have been selected by teachers I work with, but some of you have heard the old saying before that you never wash a rented car. Unless you own it, you're not going to value it as much. It's important for teachers to go through and have those conversations and those debates with their cohorts, with their peers, with their colleagues, to decide what is essential. It's through that conversation, through that dialogue, that both we begin to understand what the standards mean, we can wrestle with their depth, we can really start to look for those cross-curricular opportunities that deal with leverage and um, complexity, and we can really start to make a huge difference. That's what helps us make sure that our curriculum is aligned. It's what makes sure that standards are truly standard. It's what helps our students receive similar experiences or at least have similar outcomes as they go through school. When we are able to create a system of engaged learners, exponential growth can happen. 
So this week, this month, this year, in your classrooms, in your department meetings, in your staff meetings, I challenge you, take a real look at your curriculum. How do you determine what is taught and at what level and, to, and decide upon a protocol that's going to work for true collaboration, true investigation, and true learning? Have a great week.